podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to TSFP, the first podcast of the new year. Um, Happy New Year to you all. Thank you very much for uh, joining us for another year of Spanish football content. Hello Sydney. Good morning Philip. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You are, uh, you're back from England. You're back in Spain. You got back last night. I was, um, I was a bit worried. I thought you were still in England and I thought you uh, were going to miss some Spanish football. Um, but no, you're here. No, no. We'll be, uh, you'll be watching and attending and talking about all the Spanish football coming up in this midweek round of fixtures, right? Time to perfection, although it is true that I got slightly caught out by, and, and me, you and Al have this when we do the podcast, of course, by the window being quite small. And the window for accreditation requests for Getafe against uh, Rayo Vallecano, which is actually at Atletico Madrid, was very, very small indeed. And that window involved Boxing Day the day after. And that's it. Yes. And I missed it. Which means that you're not going to Getafe against uh, Rayo uh, played uh, this afternoon, but you uh, will be at uh, Real Madrid against Mallorca uh, tomorrow. Well, let me just run you down what's coming up because we... Uh, Kicking off the new year uh, with a full round of midweek fixtures. Match day 19 begins today, uh, Tuesday the 2nd, with Getafe against Raya, which is rather bizarrely being played at Atletico Madrid's Metropolitano Stadium because Getafe were given a uh, stadium closure for a uh, pitch invasion relating back to 2017. Just got round to uh, sorting that out now. And um, yeah. so they've closed their stadium, but they were like, yeah, well, we'll just go to another stadium. And they're just playing in another stadium. Um, and, well, and, and it's worse than that. There's, there's a lovely Spanish phrase, which is echa la ley, echa la trampa. So as soon as you make a law, you, you create a trick, a trap, a, a loophole. And essentially what this is, the, the, the net result of this ban has been that Getafe play a Madrid derby against another Madrid team in another Madrid stadium in which their season ticket holders can go. But the visiting season ticket holders can't. So what kind of punishment is that? It's the complete opposite of a punishment. I think it's, I think it's been really quite cynically manipulated, I suppose, as I say. Once the law is made, you're going to look for the best possible solution within that law, always. But it just feels all kinds of wrong to me, this. There, there, there are going to be some away fans uh, today. They, uh, they, they initially said that there weren't going to be any away fans and there was such uproar that Getafe relented and uh, gave... Oh, uh, I actually didn't know that. They right. gave, I can't they, believe... They, they, they gave Ryan an allocation of 300. So, um, I, I, I yeah. think it's bizarre that the decision was Getafe's to make as well. Absolutely. I, uh, I completely agree. Um, but only Getafe season ticket holders can go to this game. Uh, so they're not paying any game, uh, any tickets on general sale. And Getafe have, I think, just under 13,000 season ticket holders. The one, the uh, Civitas Metropolitano holds around 70,000. So it's going to be mm. sort of harking back to, to the pandemic, the restart, when we had sort of a small percentage of people in stadiums. It's going to be very strange. Anyway, that's they're, the first game of the year. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to very briefly say they will limit it to, to, I think it's one end and one side of the ground, which basically yes. will be like it was when Raya Macaronda played their home games at the Metropolitano, which I went to a few of those, and that was, it was quite a strange experience. Uh, so that's the first game of the, uh, of the year. Uh, we've got three uh, local derbies to uh, kick things off because, you know, 2nd of January, people don't want to be travelling too far. After that, we've got Real Sociedad against Alaves and Valencia against Villarreal. Then on Wednesday, uh, another derby, uh, Andalusian derby, Granada against Cadiz, uh, Celta Vigo against Betty. 
Betis, Real Madrid against Mallorca, Girona against Atletico Madrid. Oof, that could be a big one. Then on Thursday, Osasuna Almeria, Sevilla Athletic Club and Las Palmas against Barcelona. We're not going to be talking about those games on today's podcast, but if you want to hear analysis of that midweek round of fixtures, why not join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Sign up for a annual membership you get 10% off it's around four euros a month it's really good value I think for uh, people who even have a, a passing interest in Spanish football uh, Q&A podcast bonus podcast a podcast about Spanish uh, cultures podcast about Spanish footballing history uh, you get access to our discord there is loads and it's really quite a small amount of uh, money per month so come and join us patreon.com forward slash tsfp uh, like i said we're not going to be talking about match day 19 on today's podcast but the uh, the winter break has thrown up some interesting talking points sydney to uh, keep us uh, ticking mm. over not least carlo ancelotti agreeing a new real madrid contract until 2026 there were very, very, very strong rumours that he was going to see out his contract at the end of the of this season and then go and join Brazil as their new uh, national team manager. But that doesn't look like it's happening. No, it's not happening. Um, and it's not happening essentially because the nature of... How do I put this in the right way? The, 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 the manner in which Ancelotti was managing his departure enabled Real Madrid to basically prevent him from departing. Because Ancelotti had decided from the very, very start, look, I will go because, let's face it, at some point, Real Madrid will sack me. There won't be a fight over this. This is, this is what Real Madrid have in mind, that I see out my contract and then they get someone else in. Even if they don't actually sack him, sack him the, the, the idea that he had in his mind and that everyone assumed to be the case was that he would see out his time at Real Madrid, Real Madrid would get a new manager, and then everyone would, be, would, would kind of collectively be happy. Right, you did a wonderful job. Thanks very much. See you later. Or if you didn't do a wonderful job, out you go. And Ancelotti was basically counting on that. So he spoke to Brazil on the grounds that, well, look, this will all be sorted out because Real Madrid will, will, will bring an end to this one way or the other. And essentially, Real Madrid got to the point where they thought, actually, we don't want to bring an end to this. We would like Carlo Ancelotti to continue. Now, I must admit, if you had asked me this two months ago, I would have probably said when it got to the point at which Real Madrid said, actually, let's discuss a new contract. Ancelotti would possibly choose not to renew, possibly choose not to continue because he would think this is a great opportunity and he was really quite excited about the possibility of taking over Brazil. It felt like a perfect way to bring his career to an end um, and it would have been kind of all the timings would have fit into place very, very nicely. What's changed since then is, well, there's, there's a couple of footballing things. One is the sense that Real Madrid don't have an obvious candidate to replace him, at least not yet. And that they are really, really pleased with the way that he's worked in terms of this transition that there was always a slight doubt that Ancelotti would do the transition as quickly as Real Madrid wanted, the move from the older players towards the younger ones. But I think the performances of Bellingham this year, um, more than the other young players, but the other young players as well, and obviously Rodrigo has improved in the last few months. Vinicius we saw last season as becoming a hugely important player. I think there's still a slight doubt about the... The, the consistency of the role for, for Camavinga show many, of course, has become the um, first choice central midfielder. Modric and Cruz are still getting minutes, Cruz in particular, but there is definitely a phasing. And there was a very, very keen sense that they're really pleased about that, that Madrid look like they're on course to um, compete for the league title, possibly even win it. Let's see what happens with Girona and Atletico and maybe to a lesser extent Barcelona, although I wouldn't rule them out of it, that things are looking really, really good in Europe and that there's just a sense of comfort about everyone. And the other thing that's happened, of course, from a footballing point of view, is that actually what's happening in Brazil looks like a little bit of a mess. 
Now, I don't think this is a decision that's been based just on, okay, look what's happening right now. The whole plan goes out the window, but those are elements that feed into it. And then here's the other one. And this is going to sound incredibly flippant, but bear with me while I say something that sounds incredibly flippant. And the reason I say this is because this is the way it was put to me and the way it was put to me by someone who knows. Carlo Ancelotti lives in a city he absolutely loves, in a very nice house in a city he absolutely loves, where he is completely settled, where he works with his son, where he has his grandchildren around, where he is living the perfect life. Oh, and on top of that, he's also managing Real Madrid. <laughs> and it's like this, this is just too kind of perfect to break up, even for that Brazil job, which is the way that he, he saw it evolving. And so essentially, this is the decision that basically everyone's really, really happy with. Now, it's that, true that... As a, go on, sorry. I was going to say, you said that there was no one, um, essentially, that Real Madrid had to, uh, to replace him. There is a auburn-haired, twinkle-eyed Basque yeah. god somewhere in Western Germany doing incredible work. Right, well, we, we use the word, well, I use the word, um, timing, and timing is a big part of that. Okay. So the situation with... with uh, Xabi Alonso is in a position where essentially he will be able to choose where he goes next if the timings fall into place, but he's in no hurry. The other part of this is, of course, is essentially Real Madrid, and, and this is... I, I think Real Madrid fans might quite like this. So I, I'll tell you something I was told um, about Real Madrid. One of the things about Real Madrid is we sometimes get the... This is the way it was put to me by... By, by someone involved that sometimes we get the idea that there's loads of conversations going on and that Real Madrid are chasing and that, 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 that yeah well, well it doesn't really work like that because Real Madrid are Real Madrid and Real Madrid kind of choose and Real Madrid when Real Madrid say alright do you want to do this then it just kind of happens. You know, there doesn't need to be lots and lots of conversations going on. What there is, of course, is an awareness of the situation and essentially the situation with Xavi Alonso, who is, of course, one of the candidates. Mm -hmm. um, essentially the situation with him is there's no hurry. There's no hurry to move on from where he is. There's no hurry to take that decision yet. And so that is another thing that actually, while it, on the face of it, you say, well, why continue with Ancelotti when you've got this other candidate? Well, in a way, Ancelotti's the perfect person to continue with in the meantime. Because one of the beauties about Ancelotti from Real Madrid's point of view is that Ancelotti is so... This is going to sound terrible. I don't want it to. But I'm going to. Ancelotti's so easy. Okay, so you can make the decisions at the right time. You're not having a com conflictive situation. You've got someone that you can relate to really well. You've got someone that when you feel the moment comes, it won't be a big blow-up. It won't be a big problem. So you can... You can effectively, you can, you can kind of continue with what you're comfortable with until the moment comes that you think it's right. And if, if everybody thinks, well, look, there's no hurry, then you just don't take that decision yet, which isn't to say the decision isn't Xavi Alonso at some point in the future, but no one is in a hurry to make that decision. And mm. so Ancelotti is, is, is really, I mean, in, in so many ways, Ancelotti's the perfect manager for Real Madrid. I think he's perfect in terms of profile. Now, I'm not sure that Real Madrid as a club always see that because, of course, one of the things about being hugely ambitious as Madrid are um, and as Florentino Pérez is in particular as a manager, is that uh, sorry, as a manager, as a president, is that somewhere along the lines you always Freudian think, well, slip there's there. always... Yeah, I suppose it sort of is in a way, isn't it? Isn't it? I suppose there's always a sense you could always get more, you could always push more, you could always build more. But actually, this is pretty well perfect at the moment so there's just no need to do anything differently hmm. okay well let's see how long uh, Carlo Ancelotti uh, lasts as uh, manager of uh, Real Madrid but at the moment he's got a contract uh, for the next couple of years it is now January Sid yeah 
That means that Real Madrid can officially talk to Kylian Mbappe if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to dwell on this too much, I, but I mean, you know. No, I, I was thinking this yesterday. I was in the taxi on the way back from, from, from the airport, having got back from the UK for Christmas. And uh, it was quite late and the, the taxi driver had one of the late night radio shows on. And they, they basically opened by saying, effectively what you're saying, it's the 1st of January, Kylian Mbappe. And I thought, oh God, yeah, that again. And it was the entire taxi journey home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, Apparently, and, there was going to be a phone call. Home. There was going to be a phone call in the next few days from the. Uh, the, the thi- uh, yeah. yeah, the thing is, in a way, this is a little bit as I was saying with Ancelotti. In a way, it sort of doesn't need all of that because. Because yes, it does. Of course, there's conversations, but those conversations have kind of already been had. Um, <clears throat> the sense of where Real Madrid are at and where he's at is, you know, the timings are right. Bear in mind that that was it during the summer? I think it was during the summer. Yeah, it was during the summer because I remember the, the phone conversation is actually when I was in Bilbao uh, for Athletic against Real Madrid. And we were back in that area where everyone's saying, it's happening now. And a very, very authorised voice from Real Madrid was now, but next summer. Because that was the assumption. Now, that, that's an assumption, but that next summer came with a caveat, which was, unless he decides to renew. Unless, for whatever reason, he decides to renew uh, or extend his contract, rather. That's a bit of a Spanglish, Spanglish isn't it? Renew. Extend his contract at, at PSG or sign a new contract at PSG. Um, and the truth is, we don't know where that is because it will be, ultimately, it will be his decision now. But he holds all the cards. To use a Spanish, um, his Rincon Cultural for you, a Spanish phrase, he is holding the frying pan by the handle. Anyone else who wants to grab hold of this is going to have to burn their hand. He's the one holding it by the handle. He's the one in control and he's the one that can make a decision. Now, that's not to say there can't be a huge amount of pressure from all sides. There can. Um, and do you remember about, is it about a month or six weeks ago, Phil, that there was a, uh, one of the radio stations, I think it was Calen did a big story saying Real Madrid have given up on Mbappé. Yes. And, and I think we said at the time, and we did talk about it briefly, that story felt very, very, very much to me like the story that is, that is essentially a warning to him. Listen, don't take the piss with what you're going to ask because we actually don't have the money and we are now in a position, we think, where we don't necessarily need to do it, which is not the same as saying we won't do it. I think it's a bit late to tell him not to take the piss. Uh, but yeah, to be perfectly honest with you, yes, it <laughs> I think, is. I think he's been doing that for a while, hasn't he, yeah. old Killian? Yeah, that, that, yeah. Is, that is true. I, I, obviously, the, the fundamental thing is, look, the, 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 the wage demands can't be the kind of things that you would expect to get at PSG. The signing on fees can't be these kind of figures that have been talked about before because actually well, Real Madrid... And if you look at Real Madrid's signings, they haven't stopped spending money and Charmany was 80 million, Bellingham was 100 and what was it? 110, was it? I can't remember what the figure was in the end now. 103. 103. Um, they continue to spend money, but there has been a, a degree of caution about Real Madrid and, and they're aware that this is actually a lot of money. And, and, and even for Real Madrid, the biggest club in the world, this is a lot of money. My, if you're saying to me, be a betting man, does Mbappé play for Real Madrid next season? I think I still say yes. Okay. But at the moment, the decision is for, for his, to, his to be made within those constraints and those uh, conditions. Okay. Um, let's park that there for now and hopefully not have yeah. to revisit it for, uh, for several months. But, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm yeah, being a little exactly. bit naive with that. Um, someone who is uh, very much in the here and now for a Barcelona is Vitor Roque, or mm. how do I pronounce his name correctly, Sid? Well, it's just the Roque is a bit is a bit kind of um, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, Ho- look, I mean honestly, Roque. just, just Roque. call him just Vito call him Victor Roque. 
Rocky. Just call it Victor, Rocky. Victor Rocky. Anyway, Rocky is at Barca, uh, which is um, it's pretty exciting. Um, he's there. He's officially going to have his presentation on the uh, on the fifth of January, which I think is on on uh, on Friday, the the day before Reyes, which is the sixth of January, where presents are traditionally exchanged in yeah. uh, in Spain. So you can see the headlines already, can't you? Yeah, you yes. can absolutely see the headlines. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like people are maybe getting a little bit too excited, or maybe pinning too many hopes on. Yeah, Vitor Hockey, who is let's let's just remember, he is eighteen. I mean, he's soon, yeah. soon to be nineteen. Nineteen next month. He's um, a very exciting player in the uh, top flight of Brazilian football last season in Serie A. Uh, he scored twelve goals and provided three assists in twenty-five games. He scored four goals and one assist in eight appearances in the Libertadores, which are really sort of good figures, good numbers for for an exciting eighteen-year-old, but. It doesn't. I don't know. I mean, he might be the, the, the savior for, for for Barcelona. Who knows? But he is an eighteen-year-old with no prior experience outside of Brazil. So it is yeah. uh, a bit of an unknown what we're getting here. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's entirely fair. Fair. I mean, obviously, look, we we. I'm going to right from the start say this. I haven't seen him play. Right. So anything I say now is not based on 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 his level. It's based, obviously, on thing I. Things you read about him, clips you see of him, but I've not seen him play a full game, um, and I and I, I'm I'm also reluctant to be the the guy that says that the kind of the party pooper in this says don't get excited. Of course you should get excited. You've bought a player who potentially is really really good. Um, Brazilian colleagues will say, yeah, this guy is genuinely could genuinely be special. If we look at recent examples of uh, Brazilians who've come to Spain young, well, the most obvious one is Vinicius, and Vinicius is a truly brilliant footballer who took a while to get to this point as well. And that's the other thing in all of this. Um, and so I'm not going to say don't get excited about him, but obviously I think there, there's always a, a sense that you, you need to back back away very slightly. But at the same time, and you sort of look at the papers and, and ridic- you know, you look at the papers and you think that's ridiculous. You can see the covers and you can see the excitement. You think that's ridiculous. But actually it's not ridiculous, is it? It's just what we do with new players. We get excited about them. We think well, this guy could be amazing. The, as you say, the key is not to, not to assume that he's going to be the guy that rescues you. There's a couple of things that I think possibly are worth pointing out. And one of them I just briefly touched on there, which is the that Vinicius came and is that brilliant player and came as a kid. He even played some games for Castilla. I remember infamously he was bitten on the head by an Atletico Madrid player playing for Castilla in the, in the, in the mini derby. Um, and, and he is a brilliant player, but it took a little while. And those processes can sometimes take a while or sometimes they don't take any time at all. And sometimes a player is brilliant right from the start and then turns out not to be all that great. Robinho is the obvious example. You think of Robinho's debut against Cadiz, where it was unbelievable and then I'm not saying he was ever not a good player off that because he was and he was exciting and he would do things that were different, but he didn't become that superstar. And then you look at it from a Barcelona point of view. Look at the really great Brazilians at Barcelona. Romario, uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Rivaldo. They're the four that really stand out and obviously all start with ours, right? All four of those played for someone else in Europe first. Now, I know that doesn't prove necessarily prove anything, but it tells you something that the process is going to be different. So Romario was at PSV. Brazilian Ronaldo was at PSV. Who else did I mention? Rivaldo was at Depor. And I've just forgotten who the other player was. Who did I mention? Whoever yeah. the other one was was in Europe, Europe somewhere as well. I, I, Ronaldinho, of course. Ronaldinho was at, PS, was at PSG and came quite a bit older. So... Hopefully this guy's brilliant and hopefully he's really exciting and hopefully he makes watching Spanish football exciting. But yeah, there's a bit of me that just sort of thinks, yeah, let's calm down a little bit. Although, 
at the same time, I feel like Grinch saying that because you should be excited about a new yes, player. Yes, I think it's just the levels of excitement and expectation. Um, and yeah, 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 exactly. I think that's the that's the thing, isn't it? When when excitement yes. becomes expectation, then actually the excitement goes and gets replaced by something a little bit Absolutely. a little bit heavier. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how uh, uh, he gets on. Uh, Sevilla have a new president, Sid. They do. It's Jose Maria del Nido. Yes, junior. N- not that one. Not that one. The other one. <laughs> the, the, I, I, I love the, the idea of Christmas at the Del Nido house because, of course, Jose Del Nido Jr. is the president. His father, Jose Del, Jose Del, Jose, Jose Del Nido Sr. was the former president and is the key opposition figure. And that the General Assembly called his son a shit. Um, so Christmas around there would have been loads of fun uh, his father is still very much in the opposition essentially what happened there was that there was a legal agreement that his father despite owning the shares would not challenge for the ownership or for the running of the club not the ownership because the ownership is defined by the shares for the running of the club he is now trying to take that legal decision to court in fact has done so lost his first attempt at this case it is brutal in there I don't know if this changes very much in the short term because the truth is that Del Nido uh, Jr. was kind of running the club anyway on behalf of of of, of Sevilla and, and with Pepe Castro as the figurehead president. For what it's worth, he is far more charismatic than uh, than Castro. I think he's a far more public figure than Castro. Now, whether that turns out to be a good thing or not, let's see. I think he's more dynamic than Castro. Um, and, and But of course, the real question isn't so much what happens there, although I think that filters through to everything else, as whether they get the decisions right on on managers and on player signings. And that's more about replacing Monchi, who, and of course the replacement for him is, is Victor Orta, and getting Victor Orta's decisions right with the backing of the club, of course. Hmm. All right, we'll see. I mean, it's been... Uh, I'm trying to think of a word that isn't shit show at Sevilla, but yeah. I can't come up with one. It's been genuinely very, very chaotic behind the scenes there. It has indeed. Without, yeah. even, tu- without even touching what's been going on uh, on the pitch. But without doubt, I think one is linked to the other. Let's see if this brings a bit of stability. Although it might not. We'll see. Uh, staying in Seville, because Isco signed a contract extension at Real Betis until 2027, uh, which is uh, really quite fantastic news because... At the start of the season, this was a big gamble. We had no idea in mm. what shape Isco was going to be. Remember, he didn't play for uh, seven months. We thought he was a, you know, he thought he was finished. And this yeah, we thought he was an ex-footballer. Abs- we really did. Yeah. We thought he was an ex-footballer. Yeah. Genuinely, we thought he was finished. Um, but he's far from that, and he's shown that there's still a lot of machia in those boots. So uh, great to see Isco um, renew with Betis, Sydney. Shall I be? Shall I be the party pooper again? No. No, okay, good. I'm not going to be. Actually, you're right. I'm not going to be. This is great news. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him play more. <laughs> okay, caveat. Party poop away. Well, I suppose the party poop is just that how much of the success is the desire to prove people wrong, to demonstrate himself? And, and, and does, that, does, does that risk being undermined by having now signed a long-term contract? I don't think so. Do you think so? Do you think that I hope not. Slightly? I hope not. No, I'm, I'm no. floating it as an idea. I hope not. And, 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 I, and I think not because I think the level of talent is actually huge. And for what it's worth, I still think he was pretty successful at Real Madrid. It's just it's Real Madrid. You know, I, I think one of the things we sometimes forget is this, is that the level of clubs like Real Madrid and Barcelona is, is just incredible. You know, you are the very best player at just about any other club and you're a sub at yes. Real Madrid. And that's yes. just the way it goes. Uh, are you playing amateur psychologist a little bit, Sid? 
No, I don't. I, I, I must admit, I didn't see that as amateur psychologist. I, I saw it more as a, a withered old cynic, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in in terms of um, in terms of Isco not having the no no that's what I mean yeah no, no I, to, I see that as me being cynical rather yeah. than an amateur amateur psychologist yeah but yeah I suppose there is a degree of amateur psychology okay. in there but I do think that, I mean there, there is definitely an element of Isco trying to prove himself and actually I think he's done that and I just hope that this maintains the other thing is I hope that there isn't an assumption from everybody around him because of course that conditions the way he will feel about how he's playing and the way he will feel about his place at uh, Betis I just hope there isn't an assumption that it has to maintain this exact level all the time. You know, that if he has a little a run where maybe he only gets one or two assists in, say, seven or eight games instead of uh, what seems like an assist every game or a performance of magic every game. Because one of the things about a player, I've often thought this, you know, that the, the very best players, we tend to refer to them quite often as being inconsistent. And that's partly because we're setting mm. levels of consistency that just can't be met. And I think those players that we tend to refer mm. to as consistent, and yeah, I'm trying to think of a player, Nacho Fernandez at Real Madrid, for example, right? Nacho, and they would say, siempre cumple. He's always, you know, he always, he always does what you want him to do. He's always consistent. And there's a bit of me thinks, that's true. And I really like Nacho and I think he's a good footballer. But partly that's because we're setting different bars for him than we are for Misco. You know, he's mm. consistent in the sense that mm. he's serious, he's focused, he makes his tackles, he doesn't make mistakes. Although actually this season he's, there's been a couple of them, including two horrendous red card challenges. But that's, that's by the by. And, and so we set the bar at that. Whereas with Isco, for him to count as consistent, it's like we're setting the bar as, well, he has to be magical every game. Well, hang on a minute. If mm. he's running every bit as much as Nacho, and I'm only using Nacho because he was the example, it doesn't matter that it's Nacho. If he's making his tackles, but then doesn't produce a system, we'll say, well, he wasn't very good. No, he's done everything that Nacho did. But we're setting different levels of for, for, for judging consistency. And I think I think really talented players, that's part of the problem is that we ask that for them. And of course, that's one of the reasons why Messi and Ronaldo were so absurd. Because these guys were consistent at the mm. top end as well. It's like, this is ridiculous. Yes. No, no, that's true. That's absolutely true. All right, before we go, a, a quick reminder then um, of uh, what, what are you looking forward to on this uh, this match day, Sydney? Uh, you're going to uh, Madrid against Mallorca. I'm going to Madrid against Mallorca and I'm going to Las Palmas against Barca. To be fair, Madrid against Mallorca might not be very good, quite honestly. No, it might not be. Hold on, you're going to Las Palmas against yeah. Barca? It's quite fun, that, isn't it? You're flying all the way yeah. to Gran Canaria. Yeah, nice. I mean, room... Yes, when was the last time you went to a game there? Wow. Do you know what? A long time. I have never been to a game in the new yeah. stadium. I went to do an interview in the new stadium with um, Kevin Prince Boateng and spent quite a long time at the stadium. Right. But, you know, I had a look, little look around and stuff. It wasn't completely finished building at the time. So there was, it was quite quite bizarre scenario. Everything was kind of covered with plastic and stuff. Um, but I haven't seen a game yeah. there since the old Insular, which is yeah. a lovely place. And I've got a funny feeling... Do you know what? I've got a funny feeling. It might be so long ago that Vinny Samuels was playing. I feel like it can't be. I feel oh like God. it. Feel what? like it, I feel like I must have been since then. But that's the only one I can think of. So maybe. Wow. Okay. Um, it's been a very long time. I was. I okay. Yeah, that's I feel like that must be time, wrong. Uh, that's I was the there. only one I can remember. Uh, I was there the last time that they played Barcelona. It finished one-one uh, in 2018. Uh, and it was a, 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 t- a terrific evening. So hopefully uh, you get a similar level of uh, of entertainment. Um, that's it for the first TSFP of the year. There will be many, many, many more throughout the next uh, 12 months and even more podcasts over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. So come and join us there. It's only four quid a month. Um it's really quite good value. And we'll talk about Match Day 19 there. And if you don't want to do that, it's okay. We'll be back 
next Monday uh, to talk about everything that happened at the weekend because we've got Copa del Rey as well this weekend. So loads of Spanish football uh, to keep us entertained. Happy New Year, amigos, and we'll speak soon. Adios. Cheerio. Podcast Network.